Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, Nikki Eggers, Head of Investments, talks to Ross Dalzell, Head of Product and Proposition in the Business Bank, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer, about the latest from the UK corporate sector, asking what are common factors amongst those businesses that are managing to successfully adapt to the current environment, and what about those that are struggling. Please note that due to technical issues during recording this week, the quality of the sound has been affected slightly. Hello, welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. It's been, well, yet another busy week of data and news flow, so I think we've got quite a bit to discuss. As usual, Will is here to help make sense of it all in the land of markets and and economics. But we're also joined today by Ross Dalzell. Ross is a senior leader in our business bank. Hi, Ross. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. I can't wait. Yeah, well, it's, it's great to have you back. So, so Ross used to work with us here in the investments world, but he was he was swept away to to help in our business bank area, which which is of course absolutely key at the moment to supporting small and medium sized companies, businesses, the backbone of the UK economy. So, our our loss is is uh, Barclays as a whole's gain. But great to have you back, albeit briefly, no doubt. So, thank you for joining us, Ross. So let's get into the nitty-gritty, Will. Can you give us a bit of a rundown? What, what, what have been the comings and goings of the last week uh, in, in market land? Uh, Nikki, I mean, it is, I'm not going to say there's been anything too consequential in many ways. I mean, nothing's really changed in terms of our view. The main thing I think was interesting was actually in, in the UK uh, and really the data points around the labour market. Um, and I think, you know, as you, as you know, we've been talking about this for some time in terms of our worries about what's going on underneath that furlough scheme. Uh, and you are starting to see um, the unemployment rate tick up. There is, you know, there's a load of other statistics here, uh, all pointing to a, to a pretty fragile uh, employment backdrop. Now, you know, like I say, as, as we said a lot on this podcast, at least some of the problem here uh, is that the pandemic has changed the shape of the economy. Um, we've all been forcibly ushered a little further into the um uh, the digital world, um, and, and that makes the economy more efficient in some senses, more productive. But it also means that there are currently less jobs available in some sectors of the, of the economy uh, than there might have been if we hadn't taken that digital stride forward. Now, you can legitimately ask, and we do, uh, how much of this step we've taken is permanent. You know, are children, broadband and pets uh, in open, joyous mutiny now just the new normal for our working lives? Uh, or will some of that step back, step, you know, be, be retraced? Um, we, we don't have the answers here, of course, but at least some of that digital leap is permanent. Um, and I think that creates challenges in the labour market. Yeah, as, as we speak, I've got one foot on a canine in the hope that he'll keep quiet <laughs> during this recording. But Ross, you must be seeing this play out almost in, in real time in the seat that you occupy. Um, can you tell us a bit about some of the stresses and strains or, or hopefully actually some good news stories around what, what UK businesses are experiencing? You know, is it is it typically contained to those obvious sectors, the ones that, you know, would would rely on proximity in normal times yeah so i'd um i'd certainly agree and concur with what will's just said um we can see 
there's a lot of uncertainty post the furlough scheme and, and post kind of the government support pulling back generally. So all of the data I can share is kind of caveated with it's, it's kind of skewed by this strange moment we find ourselves in. Um, overall, at an overall kind of complete level, business banking kind of small business economy in the UK has bounced back pretty well. Um, uh, their sort of expenditure by small businesses and indeed their turnover in aggregate is roughly what it was this time last year, incredibly. So it's generally bounced back pretty well. But as you kind of hinted at, it's quite varied from sector to sector and even geography to geography increasingly. So, for example, the retail sector as a whole is doing pretty well. Actually, turnover's up probably 10 or 15, even 20 percent year on year in certain parts of it. Um, probably because more of us are at home, we're not kind of going out to eat, to eat as often, we're maybe spending more on groceries or whatever else that might be. So certain parts of retail are doing really quite well and it's uh, 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 recovered, at least for now. Um, other sectors, particularly hospitality and leisure, um, particularly business services actually, so those businesses that serve other businesses, you know, for example, serve offices, things like that, that's still really significantly down, so down about a quarter year on year. Um, and, and the recovery there is pretty stagnant. So it's, it's definitely uh, very varied. Um, and I think increasingly, we haven't yet got this information, we're looking for it at the moment, we're gonna to start to see a, a, a geographic difference clearly as we start to see uh, local differences in, in, in restrictions, but also a kind of micro geographic difference. If you're the, the high street in a commuter town, for example, you might be doing quite well because a lot of people aren't traveling into work. Whereas um, if you're in those kind of big city center nearby main offices, then clearly we're seeing bigger dips there. So it, as you say, it varies a lot. Still a moment of uncertainty. Some good signs, definitely, but some sectors still kind of really having a tough time. So, so a complex picture. And I mean, in that environment, you know, how does one pick out businesses that can ride out these headwinds versus those that won't? I mean, you know, clearly it sounds like it's not as simple as focusing on particular sectors. And, you know, without being too mercenary about it, surely that's key to your business, right? Finding finding the right businesses to lend to. Yeah, I mean, certainly at the moment, obviously, everything's hugely affected by the government lending schemes. And it, it kind of can't be underestimated how much they've changed the whole small business banking market and, and the behaviour in the UK. So put a few numbers around that. I think there were about... 450,000 term loans to small businesses at the turn of this year in the market across all banks. Mm -hmm. There's now 1.7 million term loans to small businesses. Now, a lot of those are these smaller bounce back loans, but still it's fundamentally shifted kind of how small businesses are behaving in their balance sheets. And, and that's going to be something we're all going to have to work out over the long term. So as I sit here today, a lot of those lending decisions are kind of wrapped up in, in those government schemes. To your point, though, uh, we're definitely going to come to a point very soon as those schemes start to pull back um, at the end of November, where, uh, as you say, banks are going to have to make choices about who to lend to. Now, I think a truism in business banking for as long as I've been involved with it, which is kind of 10 or 15 years now, um, has always been there's no such thing as a bad sector but there's the, or a good sector, but there's definitely good businesses and bad businesses. And I, we strongly suspect, and it'll be really interesting to see um, how this data all plays out for the next year or two, 
that there will be some businesses that by rights should have been kind of really heavily and negatively impacted by COVID, but they've shown the kind of wherewithal and skill and adaptability to come out of it. And actually, I, I bet end up being more successful. And there'll be others who were in sectors where, you know, on, on paper, should have done very well, will have really struggled. And I think the bit we're all trying to balance, you mentioned it can, be a, it can feel mercenary, is how do we, on the one hand, provide massive support wherever we can, because frankly, people through no fault of their own are going to have their livelihoods massively impacted. And that's obviously awful to see. And on the other hand, how do we use this as a kind of turbocharging step change for the UK economy? Will talked about digitization at the start. Uh, we've definitely seen a lot of that um, to help businesses kind of evolve and change and, and become kind of great and growing businesses in the future. And seeing which leadership teams are able to pull that off and then really backing those businesses up to drive the, drive the recovery is, is going to be key, I think. Yeah. And I mean, as we saw at the start of the crisis, the, the policymakers were clearly aiming to, to buy the entire economy some time, right, in, in, in the hope that, that we could get the virus under control and just put the economy somewhat into a, into a, a, a short-term sleep. But, but that strategy has obviously evolved quite a bit. And, and as we've heard with the latest announcements from the Chancellor, just, just with respect to that, I mean, has that led to adjustments in, in your world around how you operate? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, that's well said. I think there was definitely a phase early on where no business, no matter how good or bad, could possibly have adapted to the, the way COVID hit and the, in certain sectors, how disruptive it was clearly when lockdown started. And so I think it was the right thing to do um, morally and economically to just buy everybody time to make some adjustments, particularly through the summer. I think, as you say, we're now at a moment where we're going to have to start to make some really tough choices. And that, that goes for very large businesses like our own, through to small businesses and, and everything in between, um, about how we're going to adapt to that new world. Certainly for us, um, the sorts the, the of things we're thinking about is there's some, there's some permanent shifts that have occurred. As I say, a lot of borrowing, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That may mean businesses continue to borrow in future. That could be a good thing, actually. There's been a a untold story in the small business sector really since 2008 where small businesses have just been accumulating cash um, for a long time and I think that's not a good thing for productivity of the economy. So actually getting businesses used to borrowing again and, um, and, and working their balance sheet hard could be a good thing. It could be a tough transition that could be a good thing. We're definitely seeing big changes in transactional behavior, obviously, um, you know, cash and check transactions falling off a cliff, much more electronic payments and, and, and contactless and things like that. So that's a, a shift that looks like it's probably semi-permanent um, and an acceleration of, of previous trends. We've definitely seen lots of digitization, particularly in the kind of B2C businesses, um, anything in the retail sector, anything like that. Businesses who probably should have been thinking about digitizing long ago that have been forced to and have done so, and that clearly changes how we need to serve them. And then finally, and I know um, in the wealth management business, for example, which, which um, you know, your investment business is a big ser server of as well, it's fundamentally shape, shape changing how we do relationship management. You know, it used to be um, people in the car driving around seeing those businesses face to face. Now, we still want to get back to doing that. But I think we've all also got used to doing things like we are today from home, you know, sat mm. in our home offices having conversations. And I think that's going to be a permanent shift, which could be a great one, actually, that can create work-life balance benefits for our colleagues and our customers that can um, enable careers that weren't there before. So that's a, that's a big shift. And I think we're just 
trying all of us to work out how does that style of customer service remote, how could that be done brilliantly? I think that's going to be a big trend over the next few years in banking and a multitude of other sectors. Yeah, absolutely. And and Will, just, just thinking about, you know, what Ross was saying there about, you know, we started off with from a from a policymaker perspective, buying a bit of time and, and now, you know, potentially moving towards allowing some businesses to fail. What what, what does that mean in aggregate for the economy? I mean clearly Sadly, unemployment is is the most obvious um, potential outcome of that, and 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 the most worrying. What what else should we be looking out for? Yeah, I mean, Nikki, the, 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 so while Ross was talking, I mean, there's a load of things that come to mind. Really, I mean, one of the one of the big ones is is, um, is there's a kind of an interesting phenomenon associated with the UK corporate sector, and many many have talked about this for a few years, and essentially. If we look at the productivity levels um, of the of businesses in the UK, uh, and we're taking, talking about all shapes, sizes, and sectors, there are a chunk that are kind of world leaders. Um, in fact, on some measures, we have a larger proportion of our corporate sector in this kind of world-beating category um, than Germany and France say. However, the flip side of this story is that we also have a much larger uh, proportion of businesses that really seem to be struggling uh, and have been struggling for for quite a long time, the last decade, um, in fact. And as Ross pointed out, these struggling businesses, they're not in particular sectors of the economy. They're of all shapes, sizes. It's interesting. Um, Now, at the aggregate economy level, this has been put forward as one of the reasons why the UK the UK economy's um, productivity performance has been inferior to the competition uh, for much of the last decade uh, in particular. So, you know, what do you do about it? Well, uh, and this gets to, to, to your question a bit. So, so one school of thought, um, which is derived from the writings uh, of, uh, of a famous economist and writer called uh, Joseph Schumpeter, it centers on um, the idea of something called creative destruction. Um, essentially, you need businesses that aren't working or are struggling to go bust because that makes space for new and exciting businesses to spring up and use the, uh, you know, the human capital more effectively and productively and so on. However, you know, the problem here is that we're talking about a very large chunk of the UK corporate sector, and I'm not sure that's the right solution here anyway. Uh, now, the Bank of England's chief economist spoke, you know, really very persuasively about this a couple of years ago, about the need for greater infrastructure to actually spread best practice and innovation. And this, uh, the, 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 you know, it, it's, it's really difficult. I mean, the, the good example is really sort of, you know, You've got to try and make sure that the best practice is spread quickly throughout the economy um, and so that sort of, you know, the best new technology and so on is adopted nice and quickly. But basically, Britain is great at coming up with amazing new ideas, but we're rubbish, apparently, at disseminating them through the economy, uh, adopting best practice quickly. Uh, Now, many businesses are slower at adopting and adapting to new technology than their uh, you know, that their international brethren. So, you know, it's a real conundrum that the UK faces. And I'm not sure this recession sort of changes the story massively in a sense. You know, it's, um, yeah. it's sorry, go on, Ross. No, I was just going to, I was going to tell a story of a business. It's only a small one, but it, it just sort of brings to life what you're describing. Um, so it was a, a shellfish fishery um, on the east coast of, um, of England. And they um, primarily served the restaurant industry and were obviously massively impacted straight away by lockdown as all their um, customers stopped buying from them. And they've never kind of digitized their business or moved to a kind of retail delivery model, but this kind of forced them to. 
Then they walk straight into the problem of, as many will have found in their personal lives, the kind of UK courier sector kind of ground to a halt in the early days of the crisis, partly because of sickness, but also because it was just being so heavily used. So they couldn't deliver their produce, which is obviously very time sensitive in its delivery. So they had to immediately borrow some money to buy a fleet of vans they could deliver it. They're now growing incredibly quickly, delivering two people's homes, high quality shellfish, selling at a much, much higher margin than they used to be able to in the restaurant sector. And so it kind of just strikes me that there you've had a business who kind of probably had that opportunity 10 years ago, but never had the, and certainly five years ago, but never had the, uh, the incentive to go away and take it. And, and to your point, I think, if done right, this kind of gale of creative destruction can sort of launch some businesses into their potential. The challenge is how do we sort of in a controlled way decompress the balloon for those businesses where it's it's not as easy to do that without causing, you know, personal heartache to millions of people across the UK. That's a that's going to be a very difficult challenge, but it's it's kind of interesting that it's in these very, you know, not the big sectors you immediately leap to mind that it, that it, that it happens. And that's certainly a story I speak about business only the day that kind of stuck with me as a, a case in point. That's fascinating. I, mean, I also think, you know, personally, you know, I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly the kind of story that, you know, I'm thinking about at the, when I'm talking about it at the, at the macro level. And also I think, you know, so one of the things that people talk about with regards to Germany and Korea, for instance, is that they have specific institutions which are really designed funded centrally in order to help the spread of good ideas and make sure that businesses have something to tap into centrally in terms of best practice and so on. And in a sense, we have some of that in the UK, but this is also a role that, uh, you know, in a sense that the banks can help with. I think, you know, that the banks who can put on, you know, they can get business leaders to meet. We can um, provide experts in specific subjects that, uh, you know, to, 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 to give you know, businesses access to those ideas and so on. So in a sense, you can make up for institutional deficits, but institutional differences uh, via the private sector in a way and sort of, you know, some of the other sort of events and other stuff that, um, you know, this sector in particular can put on. Well, yeah, and, and in addition, sorry, just, just just to say as well, I mean, what what, what you're both talking about there is the the corporate sector adapting, but equally the consumer needs to adapt. And 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 you know, we talked a bit with with Matt Hammerstein last week about you know necessity being mother of invention. But to a great degree, you know, I think firms and businesses have have been full of bright ideas. But but the 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 willingness for the consumer to adapt and change behaviour might have been, you know, less less you know less easily um, catalyzed. And of course, by virtue of necessity, that that has acted as a bit of a springboard. So you know, it it, it really is interesting from from that that example you gave, Ross. That you know, I wonder to what degree any of the their customers now might have thought in the past, well, I wonder if I should just, you know, disintermediate the restaurant and, and get it, you know, from, from the best producer around here and do it myself. It probably wouldn't have occurred to them until until they had to. I think that's right. I mean, I think there's a couple of bits in there I'd, I'd left out. There's an interesting 
official trend. I'll be interested to see if it sticks beyond um, uh, the kind of recent months, but towards localism as well. I think. I think we're all, you know, spending more time at home, um, spending more time in our local areas, and I think there's been a, a shift towards wanting to kind of buy locally and support sort of local businesses, which I think is a, an interesting yeah. theme. Um, we did a partnership with a, a, a platform called Nextdoor that is a, basically a local communities um, app that lets you, you know, do everything from borrow someone's lawnmower to find a lost cat. But they also allow businesses to sort of communicate to all the people in the local area to say we're reopening or we're now on Deliveroo or whatever it might be um, to, to kind of make sure they could trade through the crisis. And we, we partnered with them to create a, a national business directory to try and kind of create those avenues from, from customers. But as you say, Nikki, I think it'll be really interesting to see which of these kind of behavioral shifts stick and become permanent kind of new ways of behaving into the economy, which, which businesses can grow off and around, versus which are kind of transient. I think it's hard to know at this point. I wonder if someone's going to invent an app where they could actually disappear my neighbor's cat. He keeps on yeah. doing it <laughs> my garden. If that's a slightly more criminal app, probably. <laughs> So any any other any other thoughts to share? You know, it, it's it's so it's so intriguing to hear about these these examples um, where where you're getting involved and in, and helping businesses that are pivoting in order to to deal with with the change in in the environment that they're facing. And anything else, Ross, you'd like to share with us? Yeah, there's probably, um, probably just a couple of things that I've mentioned. So one is uh, we've run a thing called the Back to Business Programme with um, Judge Business School in, in Cambridge, which is a, a, a kind of part-funded by us, part-funded by Judge opportunity for small business owners to kind of use the time when maybe their business either wasn't trading or, or they had a little more time to think to, to kind of go back to basics and use some of the resources of Judge to figure out, actually, let's reset my strategy, let's rethink my distribution model, have I thought through my suppliers, have I got kind of resiliency plans, what's my digital approach and strategy? Uh, so that's something that we've done and, and I've seen kind of work fairly well. And we're certainly working on how do we digitize that and make that available to, to a wider group of people. Because I think, as you said, uh, Will, there's a chance to kind of disseminate some of that best, best practice and use this as a chance to kind of help professionalize those businesses who haven't had the chance to do so. So that that's certainly something. The other would be, and, and we're trying to do it, but, but I, I, you know, I, I'd, I'd ask everyone else to try. I think this actually can really happen. Um, we can all drive it ourselves, which is to create that kind of convening effect. You know, we use we have our Eagle Labs, which are shared working spaces where people can rent a desk and, 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 and kind of start their business from, or, and we do that digitally as well. And the, the power of those locations is not um, that there's a, a Barclays Eagle hanging above the door. It's that you end up with a, a single building or a single digital community with many founders in it or with lots of ideas who can buy from each other, connect each other with people and, and kind of get things going. And I think that's probably going to be the way that we kind of turbocharge the recovery is if the more we can get society connecting with it with one another and particularly frankly lift up entrepreneurs and help them kind of build businesses. Um, I kind of don't doubt that we're going to have seen some businesses built born in the last six months or so that are the the giant kind of uh, productive powerhouses we'll talk about for the UK economy in five years' time. So I think the trick is going to be to get hold of them early, lift them up as a as a collective society and obviously yeah. as a bank. Um, I think that's kind of where we need to get to. So yeah, there's there's, there's much to do, but a, a fast moving picture as, as as Will and you laid out at the start, and a lot more to to watch and see happen. 
Well, fantastic to hear about and, and makes me feel uh, somewhat more optimistic, you know, as, as, as the weather is a bit rough and the days get shorter. <laughs> it, it's great to hear that there are these sort of nuggets of entrepreneurism, but also, you know, mentoring and networking that, that can still, can still happen digitally. So thank you very much for sharing that with us, Ross. And, and, um, if we can, we'd love to get you back in a couple of months time, maybe just to sort of hear, hear how things are going. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you to all our listeners and subscribers and do please join us next week. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.